Our reading from God's Word now is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through to 14, and on most versions of the Pew Bible, Bible can be found on 1,233. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth you learned it from Epaphras our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who has also told us of your love in the spirit for this reason since the day we have heard about you we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise be to God for his word. Thank you, Russell, for sharing. Thank you for uh, reading God's word to us this morning, uh, Russell. I appreciate that. So um, I want to encourage you to please keep your Bibles open to uh, Colossians chapter 1 as we look at uh, uh, this passage before us this morning. So uh, let's come to our God in in prayer first, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We ask, O Lord, that you give us an understanding of this word, a hunger for your word, a desire to have our lives shaped by your word and our conduct affected by this word. We ask that you bless the preaching and the proclamation of this word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, for those who are visiting with us this morning, uh, we are working our way through uh, this book, the book of Colossians, and uh, today we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through to 14. Let me ask you a question. If, if we could wish anything for a new believer, a new Christian, or perhaps another Christian, a mature Christian, what would it be? What would it be? If you were to wish something for a believer in Christ, what would it be? What would we want for them? What would we wish for them? What would we pray for them? 
We may perhaps pray that they might have a strong personal devotional life. That's good. Or perhaps if they are not married, that the Lord would one day provide Mr. Right or Miss Right for that person to get married. That's an important thing, an important aspect of life. Or perhaps we might pray for those who need employment, that God will provide them a place of work, or whatever specific needs that people may have. Now, all of these are wonderful things for us to pray for one another. Is that not the case? We should be praying for each other. But this morning, as we come to Paul's prayer for this new Christian community in Colossae, we see that the Apostle Paul is praying a kind of specific prayer for these people. Paul gives us his prayer in response to the report that he has just heard from Epaphras in chapter 1, 1 to 8. Paul is a pastor, and, he's, and here we see Pastor Paul's prayer for these new Christians in Colossae. Paul is excited for them. They are growing Christians, but he does not want to stop praying for them. And so also for us this morning, let us never stop praying. Never stop praying. What does Paul pray for them? Whilst this prayer is for new Christians, it is not exclusively a prayer that we might pray only for new converts. This is a prayer that we can pray for any Christian and every Christian. And I trust that as a church here at St. Stephen's that we will be praying this kind of prayer for each other. And I hope that as we look at this passage this morning, Colossians chapter 1, 9 to 14, and study this prayer, that it will challenge us in what we should be praying for each other as a family of God here at St. Stephen. So this morning, let's look at this passage. Let's look at this prayer. We have a prayer for this church. And Paul picks up this theme of giving thanks from Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul speaks about the, the wonderful work of God in their lives. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith. We have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. We have heard of your love that you have for the saints. The faith and love that springs from the hope that is in the gospel. And so Paul is praying this prayer in the context of what God has done in the lives of these Colossians. And in our passage this morning, we see Paul and, and, and Timothy is kind of incorporated here somehow. His prayer for the Colossian believers in the light of the gospel initially taking shape in their lives. And so look at, uh, we look at this text under three basic headings this morning. A prayer for fullness, a prayer for growth, and a prayer of thanks. All right, so three basic points. A prayer for fullness, a prayer for growth, and a prayer of thanks. Let's have a look at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice the words here in verse 9, the words, and so. It could be that it could be also translated as because of this, or on account of this, or for this reason, thus linking the prayer in section 914 to the thanksgiving in 3.8. And what was this prayer? It was a ceaseless prayer. Is that the Colossians had begun well as Christians that they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And this will involve continuing to grow in spiritual wisdom 
and understanding. And so from the day Paul had heard about the Colossian church, from the day he had seen God do a work in their lives, Paul says, I have never ceased to pray for you. Now, let me pause for a moment and just for a moment talk about prayer. What is prayer? What is prayer? You know the answer, I'm sure. Prayer is talking to God. It is so basic, isn't it? Prayer is essentially talking to God. Prayer is a wonderful avenue of communion with the living God. I don't know about you, but it absolutely amazes me that I, as a sinner, saved by God's amazing grace, can come before the living God in prayer any time. I remember before I became a Christian, when I used to worship the Buddhist statues, I used to go into the shrine and put in food there for the breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and stand there and pray. And there was no response coming out in any shape or form. But the moment I became a Christian, I began to understand what this prayer was, that we were praying not to some dead being, but we are praying to the living God. The God who is willing to come down to listen to our prayers. The God who has a concern for our lives. And the God who desires that his people pray. And so this morning we we sang that wonderful hymn. What a wonderful hymn it is, friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know that one? All our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry. What is it? Everything to God in prayer. What a privilege. Do you count that as a privilege for you this morning? That you can pray to this God? Charles Spurgeon We know Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher. He said this, The very act of prayer is a blessing. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. How true is that? The blessing to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. That's prayer, friends, a privilege to come to him. And so we don't, we don't even have to be close to each other to pray, isn't it? We can pray for those who are thousands of miles away. Wherever they are in this world, we can come and bring uh, our people and our needs before this God in prayer. So that's a little detour, all right, on prayer. And so Paul is saying here, look at your text, the words, we have not ceased to pray for you. That word to cease in the, in the original word is, is to de- desist. I have not ceased to be doing something. What does this mean? Does it mean, friends, that they have stopped all their work and just kept on in prayer 24-7? Does it mean that? How would you interpret this word without ceasing? Just imagine for a, for a moment. If I came up here this Sunday morning and I said to you, friends, I have been praying 24-7 for you. And I've had no time to prepare the sermon for you this morning. What would you say? You'd probably say, that's great, Chris. (laughs) We can go home early. Does it mean that? Does it mean that we stop our work and do nothing? Ceaseless praying? John MacArthur, the biblical scholar, uh, puts it this way. He says this, 
Basically, what it means is simply to be God-conscious and see everything in reference to him. Unceasing prayer is communion with God, unceasing communion with God. It isn't necessarily to stop and formally go into an act or a posture of prayer, but it's to always be conscious of everything in relation to God. It's to see something happen and relate it to God. It's to hear about something and relate it to God. It's to watch something and relate it to God. It is a God consciousness. Do, you Do we see that? It's, it's, it's this, this communication that's going on somehow in our own heart between us and God. It's been conscious of who God is. It's been conscious of the fact that we can come to him in prayer. The idea in our passage then is that Paul and Timothy, and specifically Paul, uh, was praying intensely for the Colossian Christians. And what is the content of this prayer? It is that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Have a look at uh, the, the text here. For this reason, since, we, since the day we heard about you, verse 9, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That is that they are to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Knowledge. As we study the book of Colossians, this word knowledge is very important in the letter. <laughs> Let me explain why. In Colossians chapter 2, there's a massive heresy that's taking place within the context of the church. And the Gnostics, we'll look at that when we come to Colossians chapter 2, the Gnostics were boasting about knowledge. They were saying you need to have knowledge apart from Christ as well. And Paul is saying you need to have the knowledge of God's will in your life. This knowledge of understanding who he is. And so it is interesting that Paul focuses on knowledge to make this point. In fact, knowledge is a very important aspect of Paul's, Paul's life. In, in Ephesians 1.17, he says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you see that word, knowledge, again? What does it mean to be filled with the knowledge of his will? What do you think it means? Now, there's a lot written about this. Does it mean it's a personal knowledge of God's will for our lives? Does it mean that? Does it mean a knowledge of God's will as to what I must do with my life? There's different aspects to this. But I think given the context here, I, my understanding is that the Colossians have some understanding and knowledge of the gospel. And this prayer is that it, they will have a further knowledge and understanding of this God. That is, that this prayer is for more of it. And hence Paul shows that the fullness comes from being given more and more insight into the same gospel which was responsible for their initial conversion. So in other words, be filled with the knowledge of Jesus. I think that's what it is saying. It is a prayer for a deeper and true knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ whom God has revealed his will for us in Christ. And so the Colossians, and we also should not be deceived by the false teachers and the philosophies of, or their pe pe peculiar spiritual mystical beliefs because all the spiritual fullness of God has been given to us in Christ. So I think it is to keep on getting to know Jesus, is to know the will of God in our lives. 
Now, of course, there are other passages that speaks about the will of God for personal things and all that. But I think this context is it is here. So that's what we can pray for one another here at St. Stephen's, I hope, that we will know the will of this God in the gospel. This would mean knowing God's will, which is found and expressed in the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I think that spiritual wisdom and understanding is an interesting word combination there. It takes us into the Old Testament. I'm not going into that this morning. That is living wisely under God as gospel Christians. I'm reading the book of Proverbs for my personal devotions. And I don't get past more than four or five verses a day. And I write out on my, uh, on my notes the particular text that, is, that, that strikes me. And I think the way I'm going with Proverbs, I'll probably finish it by the end of this year. Any chance with it? Because almost every verse is a challenging text, isn't it, in Proverbs? Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. How do I live this life? You see, spiritual wisdom and understanding is, I, I, I think, when it's combined together, it gives us a living wisely under God as gospel Christians. And Paul's prayer for these churches, that you may know the will of God, the knowledge of God revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that you would live with spiritual understanding and wisdom. What a prayer that we ought to be praying, this prayer for our own lives and for each other. And then, look at verses 10 and 11. A prayer for growth. Why is this? So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good uh, work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Wow, I mean, look at that prayer. Do you see it? How deep it is? That you may... Please live a life worthy of the Lord. Let's, let's unpack this for a moment. To live a life worthy of the Lord. What does that mean, friends? The worthy walk of the Christian is a life that seeks to honor the Lord in the way we live. In other words, there cannot be a discrepancy between what I profess and who I profess to be, I believe, and the way I live. Is it always consistent? No. No. There are times that we fail, right? Our desire is to live for him, but there are times that we fail. But to walk worthy of the Lord is to say, Lord, I want to live this life honoring you to the best I can. To walk worthy of the Lord is to bear the name of Christ as a Christian in this world. And is it easy? I don't think so. Do you find it easy? It's challenging. To live a life worthy of Christ is to live a life under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul says this in, in, in Philippians. I was actually looking at Philippians chapter 1 uh, for this past week with the funeral message that I prepared uh, for Joyce's funeral. I was looking at verses 20, 21. And let, let me come back to the, the, just this Philippians 1, 20, 21. This is Paul. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And so for me to live is Christ and to, what is it? To die is 
gain. To live is Christ. And so Paul is saying that Christ will be honored in my body. That is in my life. That is that Christ will be everything to me. Because to know Christ is to know the joy of our salvation. To know Christ is to know what it means to live in the joy of the Lord. Is it not? To walk worthy of the Lord is to experience his grace and his blessings and his power and his strength. To say, Lord, I can't live this life by myself. I am weak, but you are strong. Do I always live perfectly for you? No, I don't. But in my heart, my desire, my heartfelt desire is to honor you in my life. That's the prayer, friends, for us to pray. That's a prayer that we will be praying, I trust, as Christians, all our earthly life here on earth. It's a prayer that I trust that you'll be praying for yourself and for us as a congregation. That St. Stephen's will be a church, by God's grace, that we live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Here is Paul's passion in life, and I trust that it is ours as well, because God has saved us to make Christ look like what he, but he really is in the way we live. And then he prays this, the second aspect. Live a life pleasing to the Lord. That is, my dear friends, a life that brings delight to Christ. This is not a legalistic prayer, but rather a prayer that wants these new Christians in Colossae to live to please their Savior. We want to please him, don't we? Who do you want to please in your life, ultimately? Eh? Who do you think? We want to please a lot of people, of course. But ultimately, who do you want to please in your life? Is it Christ? And so Paul is saying that we might live, his prayer is that, we are, that you might live a life to please this Savior. To please this great God that has done so much for you. Living a life to please the Lord is to say, Lord, here is my life. I am all yours. 100%. It's your life too. It's your gift to me. And I want to live to please you, my master. I was listening to quite a few hymns this morning in the early hours in my office. I had my headphones on so that the rest of the family wouldn't get up. I was listening to Amazing Grace. I was listening to another hymn, How Can I Say Thanks? I'll quote that later on. I was listening to uh, because he lives, you know that one? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I need to just listen to some songs this morning to focus my heart on God. What it means to please him, friends, in your life. And then, as we keep moving on, live, live a life bearing fruit in every good work. Look at the text. You see, living a life to bear fruit, that we don't be a fruitless Christian, that we become a a fruitful Christian, a Christian who is bearing fruit in every good work. That is in acts of mercy, acts of kindness, acts of care, a love for one another, an outworking of this love, and bearing fruit in present and in the it's a it's a present continuous word that's been used here. It's an ongoing thing. And a life growing in the knowledge of God. See that? The fourth thing we see in Paul's prayer is that they may grow deeper in their knowledge of God. And how does this happen, friends? I, John and myself were at a minister's conference. I, I only attended one day. And uh, David Cook was speaking about Bible reading. 
And I think he said, I think, nearly from my memory, I think about 60-odd percent of Christians do not actually read their Bibles regularly. What's happened to this book? What's happened to this book in our homes? The story is told of a pastor who went visiting a certain person. And uh, he said, well, I, maybe I told you this illustration. If I, if I didn't, it's okay. I'll say it again. He went visiting and he said to this person, uh, I, don't, uh, I, f- I forgot to bring my Bible. Can I borrow yours? The uh, person said, okay, you can borrow mine. So dusted the Bible and brought it to the pastor. And the pastor opened it. And there was the, the, the person's glasses in the, stored in the Bible. And this person said, ah, that's so good. I've been looking for this for the last few months. We get the point, don't we? Just an illustration. You see what I'm saying? This book, friends, I was, I, I was praying for you this week. I was praying for myself this morning. I said, Lord, make St. Stephen's a church that has a hunger for the Word of God. Do you have that hunger? That God has given us 66 books here, right, in the Bible, and we can dive in and plumb into the depths of that knowledge. Here is the book that helps us to understand this God. Yes, we can read so many things, so many books, but this is the book. It's the book of life for you and for me. Yeah? And let me encourage us to be men and women of this book, growing in the knowledge of this God, in our family devotions, in our Bible reading, in our disciplines of the scriptures. What a blessing God's word is. Are you spiritually malnourished? Are you? How are you nourishing your soul? How are, when I say you, how are we nourishing our souls? Can you say this morning, in fact, this is another one I listen, it is well with my soul. You know that one? It is well, it is well with my soul. As we read and as we sit under the feet of God, He feeds us His word. So Paul is saying, this is my prayer. I live a life growing in the knowledge of God. And then, the other aspect of it is, live a life being strengthened with all power. Have a look at that, verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and pain. That's a massive prayer there. Notice he's praying that they may be strengthened. You see, my friends, we are weak, yes? We are frail. We are fragile. We, we fall short. We are weak. We don't have strength. And Paul is saying that God will strengthen you with his glorious might. You see, Ephesians chapter 1 that we read, the glorious power that comes from Jesus in the life of a believer. He says, you be strengthened. Paul's aspiration for them is that they should experience the mighty power of God in Christ so that they might have endurance and patience to continue to the end. Now life is tough, right? There are moments that you might be hit from all sides. You just don't know what to expect. And the weight is coming from all over the place. And you don't know sometimes whether you're sitting or you're standing. And spiritually the onslaughts could come from left field. 
Paul is saying, stand, his prayer is that you might stand, be strengthened in the mighty power of Christ so that you might endure, face the battles and the challenges in our lives. So this morning, friends, the obstacles and challenges will come, but pray that God strengthens us to endure with patience. Will you? When those struggles come, when those battles come, when the challenges hits us, pray that God will help us to endure with patience. Not by our strength, but by His mighty, mighty power. And our God is a mighty God. Yes? There is nothing impossible for Him. And then there's a prayer of thanks. Verses 12 to 14, as we wind up this morning. Have a look at that. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the, to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Again, a weighty section here. See, this is the ground of thanksgiving. Paul is saying, give thanks to God joyfully. And what is the first thing he says to give thanks to God for? Because God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the, what's your text saying? Of the saints. And what an inheritance that is, friends. We don't earn an inheritance, do we? It is a gift. And the question is, what is this inheritance? You see, God has intervened in our lives and has given us faith in Christ so that we may inherit something. And this inheritance, I believe, is eternal life. We don't know what God has in store for us, the Bible tells us. But I think here it involves living in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ one day. This is the joyful blessing of being in Christ. It's the ultimate joy of living in the new heaven and the new earth. That's the inheritance. I think Catherine uh, uh, said about that in the kids' talk, isn't it? When Adam was created, everything was okay. There was no suffering, nothing. But look at this. We have an inheritance in heaven kept for us. A glorious inheritance for you and for me. Give thanks to God for that. That one day when we die, when we are carried up on a, in, 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 a, in a box. The other day I was driving to Box Hill. Actually, I was driving to the college. And uh, I, it so happened that I was driving right behind a hearse. Why would the Lord put that in front of me? I don't know. So I'm driving, and I see this hearse. Oh, okay. So I'm driving behind this, and I see the, the coffin and a massive wreath on top of it. I'm thinking, hmm, what a reminder. A journey that many of us will have to make ultimately. That, that person who is dead in that, in that hearse doesn't know a thing what's going on. Someone's loved one. Somebody. But for us who are Christians, friends, we may be buried on earth here. Whatever may happen to our bodies, to us who know Christ, there is an incredible inheritance that God has given to us. And Paul is saying, let us thank him for the gift of our inheritance. And as we give thanks, he says, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us 
to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is a massive transformation that has taken place. That is that God has rescued us. The word that is used there to the word transfer means he has basically taken us out, out and transposed us into a new status. And he has done this, taking us, he has rescued us. And the, the, the combination of these words are very interesting. I won't go into the Old Testament right now, but you can look at Exodus chapter 6, 6 and 7. It has Old Testament connotations here. It's been released, it's been rescued, that God has done this for you. And so Paul says, give thanks that he has rescued you from darkness, the spiritual pit of darkness, and he has brought you into the kingdom of his son. Can you give thanks to God for that this morning? For what Christ has done in you and me? Two kingdoms, domain of darkness and the kingdom of the beloved son. And Paul is saying, give thanks to God for this. When is the last time, friends, that we actually took some time to thank God for transferring us from the domain of darkness into salvation? When is the last time you said, Lord, I thank you for salvation? I thank you for rescuing me. I thank you for going to the cross. I thank you for all that you have done for me. I thank you that you are the risen Savior. I thank you that you are my master. When is the last time you did that? Because a thankful heart will show with thankful living. So this morning, in this prayer, friends, Let's be mindful that our Savior has redeemed us at the cross. That we have forgiveness of our sins. What a blessing. How much we need to thank him for this. Like I said, I listened to a song. In fact, it's called My Tribute. To God be the glory. Have you heard that? Maybe you have. It goes something like this. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Do you know that one? Maybe I should sing it, you'll get the tune. <laughs> Things so undeserved, yet you gave. To prove your love for me, the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and never hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has with his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. And then the song goes like this. Just let me live my life and let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. How can I say thanks? So this morning as we conclude... As we have considered this prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Colossian Christians, it's a prayer not just for new converts. It's a prayer that I trust that we can pray for one another here at St. Stephen's, for our own selves, for our family, for our loved ones, for the church family, that we keep on knowing Christ, that we live a life worthy of the knowledge, worthy of the Lord, that we keep on bearing fruit in every good work, that we grow in the knowledge of God, that we be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we might endure all things and patiently trust him. That we will live a life in the fullness of Christ 
who has redeemed us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And let us give thanks to him for all that he has done. What a prayer to pray for. Can you pray that for each other? Will you join with me and pray that prayer for our own selves? Like I said at the start, we can pray for lots of things for people. We can pray a lot of things for our own lives. But here is a prayer that I trust we'll pray for our own selves. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this prayer. The Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossian church, but it's also a prayer that we can learn so much from. Help us, Lord, never to stop praying. That we will pray that we will know the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live a life worthy of the Lord, that we may please him in every way, that we may bear fruit in every good work, that we may grow in the knowledge of God, that we be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that we might endure with patience. And help us in our prayer to give thanks to you, Lord, that you have qualified us to share in an inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We thank you, O God, that you've rescued us from the dominion of darkness and that you have brought us into the kingdom of your Son, whom you love, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen.